Welcome to Math Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. Math Matters brings together innovators, practitioners, researchers, and math enthusiasts to explore the power of math and the stories that illuminate Math Matters across the globe. I'm going to do my best to sound intelligent today. Uh, that may be difficult uh, when, with the guests that I do have. I'm very excited to spend some time and get to know Dr. Emile Lawrence. Uh, she is a term associate professor, Department of Mathematics and Statistics at the University of San Francisco. She's also an editor of the book, Living Proof, Stories of Resilience Along the Mathematical Journey. Now, you've said this to me previously to call you Emil, so I will do that uh, just so my audience knows. Um, but I'm looking forward to this conversation, Emil, because I think that math is being, I hope it's being recast as a new character in our lives. And it is folks like yourself, educators that care beyond the classroom that I think really matter as we think about mathematic, the mathematical journey to, to I guess, tying to, to the book. Let's start with this question here. If we take out higher education and we take out just research in general, what would you say is the current state of our relationship with math and mathematics writ large? Well, sort of as a society, um, I hate to say math has been sort of getting the short end of the stick. You know, we've dealt with students being frightened of math, you know, um, just hearing, uh, well, just, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, it's always been something that's not, um, I think in society, we don't always present it as it should be, um, as important as it should be. And I think it makes students a little bit afraid. And I think also they don't get uh, always the proper access and instruction to math. I think this is changing. Historically, this is how it's been, but I'm actually heartened to say, I think this perception is changing. I think people are seeing more of the importance of getting a proper education math and seeing how uh, important it is to our society to be math literate. Um, in the voting booth, you know, you, if you, and how you interact with democracy, um, if you hear a politician spouting off statistics, what does that mean? You know, you have to be able to understand these things very well. We all hear about even like COVID statistics right now. We all want to be able to understand these things and be able to interact with them uh, readily. So I would say our relationship with mathematics is getting better. Uh, we're sort of getting over these fears that we've had and people are starting to see the importance of really being math literate and understanding. Uh, the math that they're hearing in their everyday lives. Do you feel like the the discipline of math, those that are um, helping guide us along our educational journey, are are seeking out a better understanding of our blind spots in the way in which we teach math, the way we present it? I mean, we we talk about it, and it's in the book, which I really appreciated. There's this great section about you know um, who are these people? Do I even belong? Right? Is in essence, and we see this in other areas of life, but where I, if I am a student of color, or if I'm a girl, or if, you know, so I'm looking and I'm seeing those that are educating me, and they don't represent myself, my culture, my community, what are the long tail impacts of that? 
And is the discipline in general having those behind the curtain or behind the scenes conversations, understanding in essence, the marketing issue, and not to be sort of surface about it, but it does feel like it needs a gut milk, <laughs> or some other approach that says, wait a minute, did you know that when we're voting, mathematics is at the core of that, you know, and, and th this is how it impacts people. Like, are we talking about it in this, in these ways behind the scenes so that we understand the next generation and the generation that follows and their relationship to math? Well, you know, I don't think we're having those conversations enough. They are mm -hmm. starting, but uh, you asked about the long-term impacts. I feel like when a student doesn't see uh, themselves and the people that are standing in front of them and teaching math, they start to question, well, can I do this? Is this, is this something for me? Do I belong here? I think it's really important. Representation is very, very important um, when we're talking about um, getting the proper uh, education and messages out to students about mathematics. Um, because as I said before, the message has been far too long is that math is is something that's sort of far out there that only these geniuses or Einsteins can do. Well, no, that's not true. Um, we all can do it. It's just a matter of how hard you like to work at it because you know, at some point, you know, math does get hard. It gets hard for all of us. And I think it's also important to uh, drive home the message to students that even their teachers or professors in college struggled at some point with math, right? I mean, you, you don't wake up and, and learn how to differentiate, you know, you know it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing, right? So um, we've all had our struggles and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be on uh, the book project and, and we did the work that we did there is because we want students to know we've all struggled um, and we've overcome those struggles and they can too. Um, and I think that these messages are very, very important uh, to get out to students as, as far as uh, letting them know how far they can go. Let's talk about the 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 teaching of math in class uh, in classrooms across the country and the world, for that matter. It it does feel like there's a bit of a parallel, right? So if if my experience with math is a hands off, I don't feel like I have a relationship and a connection. Then I just am going to get through it, like going to the DMV and getting my driver's license. It's not about the process or the discourse, and it feels like part of the part of it. Not that I'm in math leadership, but if in essence, if I was at that table. I would want to have a conversation about, look, our understanding of how this impacts generations, the way in which we are embedded in communities, this should also play out in the way in which we're teaching math as kids are going through their own, um, their own academic journey, because, you know, historically, it's been, we just focus on the answer. Yet, we have a great, much better understanding, I think, that it's about the discourse, it's about the narrative, it's about the story, and this you know, so that we can, in essence, reduce that wall of anxiety, and that fear of failure and understand that really the learning is in the process, and the conversation that you and I might have over a shared challenge that we're approaching together as students. Do you see that? I mean, is that part of it that we're seeing some evolution in the education of mathematics outside of what it does in its role in society? I think that's where we're headed. Um, I think, um, at least in my circles, and discussions about teaching, we're always trying to emphasize that um, it's more about the process and not about the final answer, right? When I'm grading my 
papers, which I often have to do right now. We're in finals and I'm sort of in the throes of that. Um, you know, my students say, oh, well, I got the right answer. Why do I have five points off here? And I said, well, you know, sometimes you can sort of happen upon the right answer just, and even have the wrong steps leading up to that, right? Because what we're trying to teach you is a way of thinking, right? So um, not everyone is going to go on to be a mathematician, but everybody has to take some math, right? At some point in their life. So what I see as my job and many educators see as their job is to um, instill in students a way of thinking, logical thinking, reasoning, making deductions, and making solid arguments so they can take those skills, whatever their chosen field is, you know, they don't have to be mathematicians, but whatever their chosen field, um, those are the skills that are going to serve them well out in the community and out in their world. You know, it, it, it's like if you think of um, ELA, English language arts, right? And when you're learning to write and, you know, and, and put together sentences and understand sort of the relationship that words have with one another, it's okay if you and I have rough drafts, right? That's part of the process. It's an expectation. Yet for some reason in the very sort of the, the origins of math, kids feel like, well, that's not what you want, right? It's the final answer. Right. And we tie that to grades and we see numbers and these sorts of things. Um, do you see that math as a discipline is doing a nice, a better job, I guess, of interacting or integrating into other subjects so that students of all ages get different experiences with math uh, in different forms? Hmm. Well, I'm not sure about that, Rod. I mean, in, in my experience, Math has been most easily integrated into the sciences. I'm not sure how well we're doing with um, um, subjects outside of that. I mean, even in the social sciences, we're starting to get a little better there, right? Because uh, we were talking about um, how math interacts with the democratic process. Um, but let me try to think. I mean, I do, we, say, did you say coding? I mean, look at coding, look at these different disciplines. I'm not saying that they are, are we, maybe we're creating new disciplines, new areas of focus for kids to be able to, I guess, experience it. And it's one of those things where you kind of show up somewhere at an event and you say, oh, Emil, I didn't know you were going to be here. That's so, you know, we I didn't know we were part of the same association. And you, it's like, you know, of, of the subject, but you don't know it in that context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess when I say sciences, I sort of throw in computer sciences in that as well, because you're <laughs> absolutely right. You know, um, math plays a huge part, um, in where we're going as far as programming and software development. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not really answering this question that well. Well, maybe, but you know, though, it might just speak to kind of the state, the, where we are on the continuum of, you know, where we have an opportunity, I guess, to grow is to continue in, is to continue to think about these applications. I mean, we've seen, I mean, look, for, you know, the past how many years of game-based learning, we've, you know, coding, we've seen these sort of applications layer on top of one another. And then, then to see how young people gravitate, gravitate towards these things, right? I've talked to folks in graphical arts that are doing amazing things in the creative sector where math is at the core of what they're doing because they, to be able to design in a digital landscape, they have got to understand the applications of math. Otherwise, 
they won't be <laughs> they won't be creating in that format. That's right. And I'm wondering, um, you know, with regards to those people that you're speaking about, are they explicit in the mathematics that's behind what they're doing? Or are they just sort of brushing it under the rug? I, I'm not quite sure. I would hope that they are explicit um, because, yes, I agree that math is sort of bubbling under the surface in many things. But I think a lot of times people don't recognize it as math. They see math as solving for X. Um, because that's where they've seen it in the classroom. But um, where I think, you know, there is an opportunity to grow is to say, hey, did you know the, that what you're doing is completely connected to math? Th these are mathematical ideas. You're really doing this cool thing from algebra um, that you may have learned about a year or two. That's how this is showing up now and what you're doing. I think there's always an opportunity for that. And I'm hoping that that's what's coming out of those types of applications and conversations. I love when you said solving for X, maybe a book idea here. <laughs> if you could write the, write the book solving for Y, but spell out W H Y. I like it. Like, why are we doing this? Right? Like a play on words. Let's talk about, um, let's dive a little bit deeper understanding. I know that you believe that math can be a social justice lever. Let's talk about, we, we, touched on a little bit in the beginning, but talk about math in the African American community. Um, it again, its relationship is it, you know, even from a parent perspective, which is to say, I think there are different communities of, of families in the US and abroad that walk in with expectations, or maybe it's more of an assumption of what their kids may or may not be good at based on their own relationship with that discipline, that area of work, right, we just sort of have this um, and I'm just wondering what what the chatter is or the discussions that you're hearing to make sure that that we are that there is substantive change, right? That we're looking at change that has lasting impact on on communities where we have largely ignored um, math as an opportunity, as a resource. Right, right. So um, I feel like math now, math literacy, is where reading literacy was, you know, 60 or 70 years ago in that it's an indicator of uh, an, how an educational system is doing and, and maybe even an indicator of how our entire society is doing. So what we need to um, get out to parents is that, you know, the student who has access to algebra in say middle school, they're gonna have the opportunity to at least take calculus or AP statistics by high school. And that has some implications of college and even beyond. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that everyone has to go to college or needs to go to college. Those are individual choices, but to have access to get into the school of your dreams, well, that sort of starts back in middle school. And if you did not have access to algebra as a middle schooler, that's going to affect your trajectory by the time you're in 12th grade and you're applying for colleges. So when we say that mathematics is a social justice issue, and of course, this, these aren't my ideas. The, these ideas you know, have been talked about for decades and decades. Um, but math as a social justice issue sort of speaks to how we are sort of 
gatekeeping mathematics in certain communities, right? Um, you were talking about the black community. Are, do we have that algebra in middle school? Do we have that AP statistics teacher in the schools in those communities? Uh, do we have access to after school help? These are the things that are just affecting a student's ability to get to their goals later on. Um, and without that access, uh, a community could be very stunted, right? And, and I feel that people don't understand or they haven't been exposed to the idea that uh, mathematics and access to math and, and math literacy um, will affect them so much. I mean, I, I think people understand, oh, I have to be able to, to read and I've got to be able to, you know, maybe do a science experiment, but um, we're still sort of behind and getting the message. I would like to take the time to thank those that have helped bring this conversation together. Magma Math, the future of math is here. Magma Math, the first and only digital math tool that combines handwritten solution technology standards, aligned curriculum, and comprehensive data analysis. And now back to our guest. Out about mathematics and how that can affect um, really your whole life. Yeah, and it makes me, as you were talking, you made me think of, you know, how big of a challenge or how big of a mountain we have to climb when it comes to I think being more representative of the communities that we work in um, and in the way in which we think about the academic subjects uh, and, and even defining what enrichment is or it is not. Uh, you know, look, in the superintendency across the country, I mean, we're at less than 4% and that's being kind in uh, minority representation in the superintendent position. Mm. That That's an incredible story uh, that I think impacts the way in which we look at the programs we have in our districts, how they meet the needs of the community. And even if there's just breathing room, I mean, you know, if we if look at access to math um, in let's say historically underprivileged districts that aren't getting the same resources, well, we don't even know how those kids are gonna respond. Well, you know, let's give them some time to just experience it, treat it like it's a, a playground. Let's understand sort of what these, um, these new opportunities might yield over time because we're in an entrepreneurial environment that I don't think is slowing down. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur and even conceive of starting your own it or business or whatever you want to call it or label it, you might need to know a little bit about math to help run a business, even just the financial components of it, right? So it does feel like this is at the heart, a social justice um, issue, but also a lever to impact kids going forward. What is the representation like in higher ed? I mean, when we're, when we're thinking about just the demographics, is it just as dire is the word that came to mind? So I'm not trying to be hyperbolic about it, but are we seeing sort of similar numbers and representation as we might be in K-12, just no. in kids that are interested as we move along the journey of math? That's right. So are you speaking about the students or the faculty? Well, I'll let you pick because I think it's it's probably yeah, both. Both, <laughs> both are really important. Um, so the student population is growing. I don't have numbers for you, but you know, we're doing better as far as um, students of color and, and representation amongst the student body. Um, sadly, though, um, I would, I would hate to say a number and then get it wrong. But let's just say the numbers of uh, the percentage of professors that are black or Latin Latinx, 
um, Native American, uh, these numbers are really, really low as, as far as mathematics goes. Um, it may be somewhere, I mean, certainly less than 5%, somewhere around there. Um, so we've really got some catching up to do uh, for the faculty to sort of uh, reflect the student body, which is, which is growing. Would you be a party of one at a, at a given event at an association? Or would that be the expectation or the assumption going in? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a sort of a double minority. I'm a woman and I'm a Black person in mathematics. So I am oftentimes a party of one, um, even, even at my own university. Um, so um, th these are real opportunities for improvement. And as we were discussing before, these types of things start incredibly early. I mean, in middle school, sort of that's sort of when I realized I like math, hey, I'm good at this, maybe I'll just keep going. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a mother who was a guidance counselor and she had some access to summer programs and such. Um, so I would say if we want to see more people of color at the professorate level, we really need to start to make those investments early at the middle school level, level and the high school level. Talk about the sense of responsibility. I would imagine um, that I would imagine there might be moments in time when you think, well, one, I'm a party. Well, I'm a party of one in a lot of respects, if I'm you. And two, does that mean that how much brain space do you have to give to this? Is that exhausting? Do you feel a sense of responsibility? Um, like, where are where do you sit in that? I mean, there were a lot of educational experiences where I was the only male. And by, def by default, it was like, oh, he, he knows how to work with the boys because he's the only male there. And sometimes it would make me a little bit angry because it felt like I couldn't practice what I wanted to practice because I had to hold up this banner, which I supported. Um, but it, it became this divisive relationship that, and, and maybe even conversation with my, within my own mind. Does that resonate with you? Oh, yes. It is a constant um, mental, I wouldn't call it a burden, but... It is, it is a challenge for sure. Um, going into a space, knowing that you will be the only one, you're constantly thinking about how people will perceive you. Whatever you do, will that mean that they will take that to say that you're representing your entire race or you're representing women? These are constantly things that um, someone like me has to think about. Um, and it is mentally exhausting, it is. Um, and at the same time, I do love representing and being a role model for uh, other black students and or, or black students and um, you know, representing my race. I, I don't mind that. I accept that responsibility. but at times it, it is it's it's something that you wish that you could, um, just sort of relax and not have to deal with. Um, but I, I understand, I mean, this is the way things are and I accept the responsibility um, um, because it's, it's always been there. It's, I've, I've walked in these shoes for quite a long time and um, this is just the way it is. Talk about the, when you made the decision um, as a young adult that this was gonna be your professional path 
what, what were those internal discussions like when you thought about, I mean, because I think we all have those conversations, right? Some of it is based in doubt. Some of it is based in uh, euphoria for being just passionate about a subject and an area of, of practice that we really want to dive into. But what was that like when you were thinking and making, I would imagine, a conscious decision that, you know, I'm going to be going at this alone in a lot of different ways, but I have a fantastic opportunity. There must have been something in essence in your DNA that said, I'm up for the challenge and I really want to apply my abilities, uh, my capabilities in this area. Yeah, I think for me personally, I've always been very excited by a challenge. I, I think I, I sort of do this in all aspects of my life. Like right now, I'm the chair of my department. At first, I was a little apprehensive, but the thought of there being something out there that is 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 something that I just cannot do that does not sit well with me. Once I get it in my mind, like hmm, maybe. Um, I sort of go at it like a dog at a bone. So um, I've, I've always been that person that sort of rises to a challenge. Um, and not to say that, that I've done it alone. I've had lots of help and many mentors along the way. Um, so many, too many to name right now. But yes, I've just had so much help and support. And I think that has been a key factor in um, I guess I can say success for myself. I'll say that. Yeah, I'll use the word success. I think that has been a factor. Um, so, yeah, yeah. With, with all things being considered or being equal, what's one area of mathematics that if you, you know, if you went on sabbatical or you had an extended period of time where you're, you could be free in your mind to explore different areas uh, of the mathematical universe, what, what area interests you, even if it's not a direct correlation or it's an area that, you know, or you have a hunch really relies on some mathematical elements that just fascinate you from a creative standpoint? Hmm. You know, it's funny that you asked that. So I, if I had unlimited time, um, or if I were on sabbatical, I would probably do more research into um, mathematics of people of color. I feel that the math that we all know and are presented has always been presented as done by white guys. <laughs> you could say guys yeah. that look like me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, Newton, Leibniz, Fermat, like these are the names that we know. And why do we know them? It's because that's what we're all taught. But you know, are we ever taught about the mathematics of the Egyptians? They must have had a thing or two going on. <laughs> I think they might have. I think they might have. Or Native Americans. I, I, we, we are never taught about other cultures and how they develop their own mathematical systems and how those systems have contributed to our modern day mathematics that we're using in classrooms. So I, I am, I would very much be interested in sort of bringing more of those stories to light um, because those stories don't get told enough. But that's what I would do. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we don't, it is a very narrow lens with which we look at and look through academics in general and 
you know, if, if a certain group of people are controlling the flow of information that might impact the stories that we get to see, observe, uh, listen to, right. All of these different forms. Um, what, what advice do you have? I mean, look, we're talking, we'll close with this. We're talking largely around the country and I think around the world about teacher shortages or challenges and, and COVID didn't do us any, any, uh, favors in that area. Um, but for the, for the, you know, the high schooler out there that has a propensity, I guess, maybe to excel in math, or there's, there's some talent there, you know, what do we say to the, the group of students that we would love to be math educators in the future, right? How do we attract them to the discipline? What about it behind the scenes would you, um, would be some of your talking points if you were standing in front of a crowd of young people that, again, had a disposition, right? A natural, a, a natural sort of leaning towards math uh, and their abilities. Wow. So, um, you know, encouraging a student to be an educator is, you know, a job in itself. Um, and being a math educator, um, it's, it's even more challenging. But what I would say is that this is very rewarding work. Um, when I see a student who has that light bulb go off in their head, I, I feel like my life's work is being fulfilled in that moment. Um, this is why I've chosen the career that I've chosen. Um, I would also tell those students that this is quite important work to us as a society, as we've already talked about the access issues. Um, it's, this work is so needed um, especially in underserved communities, um, they will be doing a service to society as a mathematics teacher. Um, and I guess, finally, I would say um, it's, it's also very hard work. Maybe they would already know that. This is, this is not easy because, as I sp spoke about before, some students are resistant. Some students have anxiety. So you have to have a, a great deal of patience and understanding with students. Um, because what, from what I see, I see students coming from very different backgrounds, very different levels of preparation. Um, so it, it, it really does take um, combat, compassion to do to be um, a good, a good and uh, thoughtful mathematics educator. Um, so those are some of the things that I would think about saying. Well, I, I find you to be incredibly thoughtful and, and patient uh, just about your approach to even the questions and, and where we've been going uh, in our discussion today. But, you know, continued success. Uh, I, I think these these discussions with professionals like yourself help to personalize what math is, right? It's not a series of ones and zeros, right? These are, uh, these are uh, living, breathing experiences and people behind uh, the art of math, the rhythm of math. And I think you're an incredible representation of that. We want to thank Dr. Emile Lawrence. Uh, she is the, uh, she's a term, I should say, associate professor of Department of Mathematics and Statistics at the University of San Francisco. She's also an editor for the book, Living Proof, Stories of Resilience Along the Mathematical Journey. She's also the 2021 Association for Women in Math Service Award recipient. Again, we want to thank Dr. Emile Lawrence. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger.